This sermon content comes from Mercy Village Church located in Barbersville, West Virginia, and you can learn more at www.mercyvillage.church. I'm going to start with a movie uh, reference again this week, and I apologize in advance. That's two weeks in a row, which means I can't do it for at least for a month, I guess, right? Like, i got to kind of move on to something else. Uh, maybe I should read a book or something instead of watching all these movies. I don't remember which movie it's from. Which one of the movies? Uh, the Pirates of the Caribbean were trying, were on the uh, Too Fast, Too Furious pace for a while, and then they kind of slowed down, right? They could, they didn't get in as many. But uh, there's the one where Captain Jack Sparrow is like, he's like standing up next to the crow's nest on the boat, and and uh, then he jumps down and he starts bailing water out, and then as he comes into the harbor, into the dock, they kind of zoom out. And the entire boat is under the water except for the very top part that he's standing on. And it, and it sinks just as he like steps onto the dock. Okay, so that ship clearly needed the harbor. Ships need a harbor. Okay, now that's a funny movie, but in real life, the harbor exists in part as a safe place for ships to go to be renewed, to be rebuilt, to be refueled to be put back the way that they're supposed to be. Because ships aren't made for the harbor. Ships are made for the seas, the open waters. But the open waters are brutal sometimes. Sometimes more than others. Sometimes the ship comes into the harbor looking like Captain Jack Sparrow's ship. Sometimes it just needs a little bit of repairs or it needs a little bit of of refueling. Sometimes it's totally battered. We need a safe harbor too as the people of God, as just humans. We need a safe harbor. Are you battered in this life? Are you wind-torn, tossed about, breaking apart? Does it feel like you're taking on water in life right now, drowning in life right now? And maybe you don't today. Maybe today you actually find yourself in a, in a good place. We all hate you. I'm just kidding. Maybe you find yourself in a good place today. But maybe you can remember a time in your past where you were at a place where you needed a safe harbor for your soul, a place to lay down your burdens, a place to be healed, a place to be refueled and renewed. Do you need renewal? Our mission statement is that we exist to experience and embody redemption, which a lot of us get, right? That idea, that's very Christian term. It's thrown around a lot. It is our freedom is purchased for us by Christ. We are redeemed. We're brought into the family of God by the payment of our Savior, Jesus, and that payment buys our freedom. Redemption is also an ongoing thing. Uh, There are things, I I may have said this a couple weeks ago, there are things now in your life that, that maybe you weren't free from a year ago or five years ago, whether it was doubts or or certain addictions, or certain fears that you're free from now, right? You may have been a Christian for 20 years, but in the last five years, you've experienced freedom or redemption in new areas of your life. There are still other areas of your life in the future as a child of God that you will experience that redemption. So we exist as a church to experience that redemption and then live that redemption. But the second word is renewal. We exist as a church to experience and embody renewal. 
in Christ alone. Redemption speaks to freedom. But freedom is an ongoing battle. If you live to be free, it will not always be easy. It will be hard. There are times that you will struggle for that freedom that is yours in Christ. Jesus has finished the work on the cross, but for you to live in that freedom will sometimes make you weary and tired and broken. And therefore, we need renewal. We not only embody redemption, but we also embody renewal. And just like a a harbor where ships go to be refueled and rebuilt and repaired, we want this place, Mercy Village Church, to be a place where people come, us and others, to be refreshed, renewed, refueled, rebuilt. But for us to be a church that embodies renewal, who actually lives that out, to be people who bring renewal, who are bringing renewal with us to others, then we must be people who experience it, who experience that renewal, and true renewal comes in Christ alone. Father, I've, uh, I've never felt, or it's been a long time since I've felt less prepared, less worthy to stand right here. But your word is worthy, and that's the reason why I, I've even got out of bed this morning quite frankly. And so might your word be what speaks to us today. And in that, what we know not, please teach us. And what we are not, please make us. And what we have not, please give us. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Exiles need renewal. Isaiah chapter 40 is written to exiles. We're coming to this verse in just a second. Isaiah is a really long book. It has 66 chapters. And what a lot of people uh, maybe don't know about, well, many of you may already know this, but I didn't uh, when I first encountered the book of Isaiah, is that it's written in three different sections. The first section, the first 39 chapters of Isaiah, is written to the the people of God before exile, warning them of, of exile to come, warning them of the judgment of God to come, that they must turn from their uh, wickedness and, and, follow, and follow God. But chapters 40 through 55, which we find today, are actually written to the saints of God in exile in Babylon. Those who were taken off into exile there. And then the final 10 chapters of the book of Isaiah are just these more overarching. They don't necessarily fit into just a niche audience in, in their original writing. They're, they're more so for anyone who who seeks to follow after God. But these words today were written originally for exiles in Babylon. They were written to people who were away from their rhythms of their faith, the familiar places where they would have practiced their their faith in God. Many of them are away from their families or parts of their families. They're away from the mission and the meaning of their lives. That, that kind of, those central things. They're out of whack. They're in a place where nothing feels right or looks right. Not only are they, they suffering under the hand of an evil ruler, they also are out of their normal natural rhythms. They are living as exiles. 
living as sojourners. So much of the Christian faith, and it's referenced all through the Old Testament and New Testament, it's written to people who are sojourning. People who aren't camped out permanently in one place. That's who we are. Sojourners and exiles. First Peter chapter 2, 11 and 12. Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh which wage war against your souls. Keep your conduct among Gentiles honorable so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God in the day of visitation. We live in a world that is not our home. We live in a place that will not be our final place. And therefore, we are not permanent residents of earth. Our citizenship is in heaven. And therefore, we are as exiles in this place. In other words, we are constantly called to experience and embody redemption, freedom, and renewal in a world that thinks those things are foolishness, in a world that works against those things, in a world that will call out to our hearts to desire other things. So it can be exhausting. We need a harbor. Being in exile is like being a a battered ship out at sea. We need a safe place for renewal. We need a safe place to be refueled. And so many of us find ourselves... On the high seas of life, even this week, you've found yourself on the high seas of, of life trying to, to cut through the waters of this world that, that seem like they're going to kill you. It feels more, some weeks feel more like deadliest catch, right, than, you know, Summersville Lake on a July afternoon. Sometimes it is like Summersville Lake on a July afternoon, and thank God for the times that it is. But sometimes the breakers are ten stories tall, and they threaten to to crash down on us. The exiles Isaiah was writing to were in that place of being battered, of feeling like they were even alone, adrift at sea. And Isaiah talks to them, he says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God? So battered, that they thought God had forgotten about them. Have you ever been there? I've been there, to be honest. The silence of God, battered, broken, bruised, hurting, wounded, feeling like God is not there, not listening. That's where these people found themselves. In the Babylonian exile, they thought God had forgotten them. That he didn't, couldn't find them and they long for him to make things right, but they feel like God has disregarded them. Sometimes we think God has forgotten us. Sometimes we forget God, but either way, in those moments, we're set to be, to be battered and grow weary fast. Isaiah has a word for those who need renewal. He says, have you not known, have you not heard, the Lord is an everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. Have you not seen? Have you not heard? He says. Might we be those type of people, by the way? 
in a loving, gentle, kind way, like the psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good, that in moments where those among our body of believers are struggling to see that God is there, are struggling to feel the presence of God, that we would come alongside them in our moments of strength and say, have you not seen? Have you not heard, taste, and see that the Lord is good? With our arm around them, walking in them with, in, in, in the pain, might we also point to Jesus. Remember who He is. You see, renewal starts with remembering who God is. He says, look, remember. He says to the Babylonian exiles, look and remember who God is. You want to feel renewed You have to remember who God is. First, he said, remember who he is. Second, he says, remember what God does. He says he's everlasting. Time is in his hands. And it's not in your hands. In some seasons of life, you've been painfully aware that time is not in your hands. Sometimes you want things to hurry up. Sometimes you want things to slow down. Some of you would kill for one more day with that person. But time is in the hands of the everlasting God who is not confined by time. He knows the beginning from the end. He knows all the minutes and moments in between. This is your God. His watch is always right. His clock is always right. There's comfort in that. And there's also a call for adjustment in that, that we look at our clocks sometimes, and the feelings that our clocks give us and say, I need to rest instead in God's timing, not my own. He's an everlasting God. He's the creator. The universe, all of it is in his hands. Every single part. His hands, his time, he does not grow weary, and our God never faints, and his understanding is through the roof. Remember who your God is. Isaiah says that. When you're feeling like God doesn't see you, when you're feeling battered, when you're feeling like you need a safe place to harbor, when you're feeling like you need renewal in your life, remember who God is. But not just who God is, but what God does. Verse 29, He gives power to the faint. And to him who has no might, He increases strength. Isaiah's not making that up, by the way. We could pass a microphone around this room. If I gave everybody enough time to prepare, um, everybody wouldn't want to do this, but, but we could. Share times in our lives where we felt like we didn't have the strength to go on, where we felt weary, we felt like we were going to faint, and God empowered us in ways that we cannot explain to make it through. That is what our God does. The one who does not faint gives power to those of us that do. The God who does not grow weary gives strength to those of us who do. Between the lines, you'll you'll see the opposite side of the coin, though. Nobody and nothing else in this entire world can give you the strength or the power that you need. Only God can do it. Nothing else. That's one of the reasons why renewal is so 
elusive in this world. Why feeling refueled and renewed in this world is so elusive. That's why so many of us are weary. That's why so many of us are tired. Because we haven't learned that there's only one source. We might intellectually have engaged that there's only one source of strength and renewal. But we don't always live as if there's only one source of strength and renewal. Which is why Isaiah can say even youths shall faint and be weary. Even young men shall fall exhausted. Youth, literally, think about youth, literally, people who are at their peak of energy and strength normally. There's some people who age backwards, like Paul Rudd, for instance. Like, I don't know how that works, but, uh, but some people age backwards. Most of us re, uh, have the peak of our energy and strength when we're, when we're young. But you could also think of it as a, a euphemism or a youthamism, if you want to. You're welcome. <laughs> That's not a good joke, I know, but I had to say it anyway. It's even written in my outline to say it. That's how dedicated I was to the joke. You're welcome. You can think of it as a, as a euphemism for when you're at your peak, like some people reach their peak financially later in life. Maybe you reach your, you've reached a peak of your, uh, people reach their peak of, of influence. Could be anything. It's people who have it all together, who are surging forward in career and in relationships and in their calling in this life. They're just succeeding. They're, they're running marathons on the weekends and then drinking $300 bottles of champagne. They're taking their graduate degrees to the bank every Monday while they send their kids off to Ivy League schools and they pose with their tight-bodied spouses in their Instagram photos, right? Those people, they get weary too. They faint too. That's the point of verse 30. That even the best of the best cannot escape weariness or exhaustion or fainting. Yet, we look to those people as experts who can tell us where to find renewal and strength. They can't. Isaiah is telling us where? In the Lord. That's where you find renewal and strength. Don't be fooled. No one else can avoid being faint or growing weary or falling exhausted. And so God is the only one who can truly bring renewal. Nobody, nothing else gives strength or power. And so that compels us to what Isaiah calls us to in our final verse, verse 31. He says, those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. I'm preaching to myself here, even this week, right? Like as my, my wife's in, in the Dominican Republic, living the good life. And I grew weary this week, which is, probably says more about me than it does about her. I should be able to do this single dad thing for eight days. It shouldn't be that hard, but you, you know, I'm a, I'm a weak man. I grew weary, and when I grow weary, I tend to distract. 
I tend towards distracting of the self instead of waiting on the Lord. When I grow weary, instead of waiting on the Lord for renewal, I go to other sources like Instagram or TV or whatever to just kind of check out. And I actually end up growing even more weary from those poor habits than I would in the habits of, of waiting on the Lord. But renewal comes in waiting on the Lord. This expression in Hebrew is our application for today. Because it's more than just waiting as we understand it. We tend to think of waiting linearly uh, as, a, as a, linear, a linear line, like waiting in time. And it does mean that. It does carry with it in Hebrew that meaning, that obvious meaning, to wait in time. Which bodes the question that we should ask ourselves today. You see, you don't need to get out in front of God. You don't. You don't need to outrace Him to fixing your problems. You don't need to outrace Him to solving your relationship issues. You don't need to outrace God. You can be patient in real time. My parents used to guilt trip us with this little song that went, Be patient, be patient, don't be in such a hurry. When you are impatient, you only start to worry. The song made me even more impatient when they would sing it. I mean, it's just like, uh, even now, I like have some trauma, I think, associated with it. But that line, when you are impatient, you only start to worry, it's true. Right? Like, you'll, you'll feel even more in need of renewal. You'll feel even more uh, beat up and battered if you let your impatience control your life. So, yes... It has, waiting on the Lord has to do with linear time, but it also has to do with resting, trusting, believing. To wait on the Lord means to rest in His promises. To believe that not only is His timing perfect, but His promises are true. The idea is holding on to the promises of God, clinging to the promises of God. But not only clinging to them, right? like through the storms, clinging to the promises, but also like a warm blanket wrapping His promises around you. There's times where where you're weary and in pain to be able to take the promises of God and wrap yourself up in them. That is what it means to wait on the Lord. Remember your word to your servant in which you have made me hope. This is my comfort and my affliction, that your promises give me life. The promises of God are are a warm blanket for the soul. So how are you wrapping yourself up, right? If you're going to wait on the Lord, it means wrapping yourself up in His promises. Clinging to His promises, believing His promises. How are you wrapping yourself up in the promises of God? That's why the little disciplines that I think, especially if you grew up in and maybe like, uh, church your whole life and there's things like Awana and memorizing scripture becomes a way of earning prizes and or memorizing scripture becomes a way of getting a sticker on the wall or something like that. Again, I'm not, I know so much scripture because of those things. So they work. It's not like I'm saying those things are bad, but we miss the deeper meaning. That we're actually filling up our life with warm blankets when we're cold. We're filling up our life with weapons to fight against sin. We're filling up our life with things to hold on to when suffering comes. We're filling up our life with with encouraging things to give to other people when they're in hard times. 
That's why things like Scripture memory and reading the Bible, when they sometimes may feel like chores, that's a wrong understanding. These are all part of, of waiting on the Lord, being renewed. And then lastly, another way that this word is understood, this waiting on the Lord, is the idea of exchanging. And I think this is super interesting. That waiting and resting are part of the Hebrew expression or both fall under this idea of exchanging in this Hebrew expression. That in our waiting, we exchange our expectations for God's expectations. When we wait on the Lord, we're saying, my expectations are not the best. God's expectations are the best. And we exchange our expectations for His expectations. The idea of of resting. We think of exchanging our human intuitions for God's promises, our desire and our ways of fixing things, we exchange them for God's way of fixing things. We exchange what the world says are the warm blankets that comfort our souls for what God says are the warm blankets that comfort our souls. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts deeper, or my thoughts than your thoughts, Isaiah 55, 18. To wait on the Lord is to, yes, wait for Him in time. To wait on the Lord is to rest in His promises, to believe them and cling to them and wrap ourselves up in them. To wait on the Lord is to exchange our timelines, our desires, our expectations for God's. That's what it means to wait on the Lord. What inadequate sources of renewal do you need to lay down? What things are you turning to in your life as a warm blanket for your soul? What things are you turning to in your life to refuel you and rebuild you and reset you that are inadequate? They're not getting the job done. Instead, you can turn to the Lord and there be renewed. Sounds like a lot of work. Sounds like some guilt. In there, which is why we have to behold Jesus. Because if it's up to us to find rest and renewal by us gutting it out to wait on the Lord, we'll never pull it off. But Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. That is the great exchange. That is the gospel. Jesus died on the cross so that we could bring our burdens, our sin, our inadequacies and lay them down and pick up the righteousness of Jesus and walk yoked up with Jesus in this life. The one who has finished the work of our redemption and will finish the work of making us like Jesus. He says, get in the yoke with me and walk with me and learn what it is to live a life that is with a gentle and lowly Savior. Carrying a burden that is gentle and light. Exchanging your yoke for His. If you've never done that, trust Jesus today. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be saved. You can find redemption and renewal today through the finished work of Jesus Christ. If you are a Christian, 
particular if you're part of Mercy Village Church. Might Mercy Village Church be a place of renewal? Might this become a place, if it isn't already, where we come individually to experience renewal? That we will have story after story in our lives of the times when we needed refueled, rebuilt, renewed. That it was the people of God in this place who walked with us, who stood with us, who sat with us, who wept with us, who believed in what Jesus was doing in our lives even when we didn't who welcomed us safely, authentically, kindly. Might this be a place of renewal for ourselves? And then it goes without saying, but I want to be explicit that we, so that's our experience, but that it'll be a place of renewal for others. That we'll embody it to other people. We will not only experience renewal, but we'll embody it to those around us. Back to the harbor analogy, not, not every harbor is a safe harbor. If you remember, Johnny Depp rolls into that harbor. There's these pirate skulls, like our skeletons, like hanging from that rock, and it says, pirates be warned, right? It's actually not going to be a safe place for Johnny Depp to, to land. Not every harbor is, is safe, but I deeply long for Mercy Village Church to be a safe harbor where we can come in vulnerable, battered, broken, and be renewed. But this can only happen in Christ alone. But those who wait in Christ alone, who behold Jesus for who He is and are so captured by how beautiful Jesus is, those who taste and see that the Lord is good, those who trade out their terrible yoke for Jesus' light and easy yoke, not out of guilt, but out of worship and hope and joy, There, for them, they will mount up with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Might we be a church that embodies renewal? Might we be a safe harbor for the broken and the weary, which will sometimes be ourselves? For us to be that, we must be a people who experience renewal. And true renewal is found only when we behold Jesus for who He is and what He's done. So might we see Him in all of His glorious goodness inviting us to find rest and renewal in Him. Father, I can't make us a church that embodies and experiences renewal because I'm somebody who desperately needs renewal. I have no infinite source of renewal to pour out on anyone. But you do. There is no bottom to the depths of your ability to refuel and rebuild and renew your people. So for those in this place today who need to mount up on wings like eagles, who need to be able to run even though they're weary, who need to be able to walk even though they feel faint, I pray that you will be for them their strength and their renewal. For those of us who have experienced that, might in our just absolute joy 
in what you've done for us, might we be people who now walk with others, who welcome them and see them find renewal in your son, Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks for listening, and if you haven't already, we would love for you to join the work of God as Jesus builds Mercy Village Church. You can learn more at our website at www.mercyvillage.church.